Hey everybody, this is Matt with a brand new series about thriving no matter what life throws at you. We're going to look at one of the greatest people in the Bible, Daniel. He was a great prophet who started out as a 15-year-old prisoner of war and went to the top of the pinnacle of success. See, today it seems like all the values that create a healthy society have kind of been turned upside down. It's pretty crazy how everything is kind of turned inside out. Isaiah many years ago, actually thousands of years ago, warned that any culture is headed for collapse when it reverses the values that created the health of that culture in the first place. Isaiah 5.20 says, You are doomed if you call evil good and call good evil. Destruction is certain when you call darkness light and light darkness. When right is considered wrong and what's wrong is considered right. When you claim what is bitter is now sweet and what is sweet is now you call bitter. This actually happened 2,600 years ago to the nation of Israel. That nation had fallen into immorality and into injustice and idolatry. Kind of sounds familiar. <laughs> Idolizing things that aren't God, treating people unjustly and unfairly and immoral. There were a bunch of guys that day. They were prophets. One was called Jeremiah. One Ezekiel. Another Zephaniah. Daniel was just a young teenage boy when all this was happening. And they kept predicting. They said, guys, if you don't get your act together, we're going to lose our freedom. They are warning the nation of Israel that God wasn't happy with all the idolatry and immorality and injustice in their society. And sure enough, around 600 BC, the emperor of the powerful Babylonian empire invaded Israel. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. It was the most powerful empire of its day. He came in and took over the entire nation, totally destroyed the capital city of Jerusalem, and took 25% of the nation as prisoners of war back to Babylon back to now modern-day Iraq, and kept them there for 70 years. It was a disaster. They lost their freedom because they were not paying attention to what God had said. The collapse, that culture shook everybody. There was also another guy. He wasn't a prophet. His name was Asaph. Asaph was actually a songwriter. He wrote 12 psalms in the Bible. And a lot of people think that David was the one who wrote the psalms, but no. Asaph did. Moses did. Solomon wrote some. Psalm 82, verse 1 to 5, this is from Asaph's psalm. God presides over heaven's court and pronounces judgment on the judges. He's talking about those in Israel in the day. How long will you judges hand down unjust decisions and show partiality? Now see, partiality is the old English word for racism or prejudice. How long are you going to be prejudiced? Give fair judgments to the poor and to the orphans. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the defenseless. Rescue the poor and the helpless and deliver from heartless people because the leaders are foolish and they lack understanding. People are living in dark times and all the foundations of society are shaken to the core. Now we're living in a time of great upheaval. There's a lot of shakiness going on. But I'm not here to talk about the doom and gloom. God says that no matter how bad the world gets in a rapidly changing world and even in a decaying culture, God says, I want you to survive. And not only that, I want you to succeed, to even thrive. So I'm starting a new series. We're going to look at the book of Daniel, a great book in the Old Testament. And I'm calling this series Unshakable. It's how to thrive no matter what life throws at you, how to be unshakable no matter what comes against you. Now, the book of Daniel starts with a young boy who is seeing all this happen in his life. His name was Daniel, and Daniel wrote this book was not a famous prophet when he starts the story. 
It covers 70 years of his life from ages 15 to 85. He starts off as a POW. He was a prisoner of war. He ends up 70 years later as the second most powerful man in the most powerful empire at the time without losing his integrity. And it's an amazing story of lessons for everyone at every stage and age. So this 15-year-old teenager named Daniel watches the destruction of his nation. He's taken as a prisoner of war. They took 25% to Babylon. He's one of those prisoners. He'd never see his parents again, never see his family again, never see his homeland of Israel again. He would spend the rest of his life living in a foreign, hostile culture. And we're going to study his life in detail over the next several pods. And I just want to set up the theme, the setting, and the beginning uh, nature of how to be unshakable in today's pod. And we're going to delve into deeper and deeper as we go on. So the book of Daniel teaches how to thrive no matter what life throws at you. And this is how it starts. Let's read the first few verses. Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 to 5 says, In the third year of Judah's king Jehoiakim's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon besieged Jerusalem with his army. Have you ever been besieged? That's a great word. We don't use that word anymore, besieged. Have you ever felt besieged by problems where they're all around you, by all the work that you've got to do, and you don't have the time and the money to do it? Have you ever felt like things were caving in on you? This is the way Daniel and the people of Jerusalem felt. They were besieged by Nebuchadnezzar's army. And it says God gave Nebuchadnezzar the victory. Nebuchadnezzar is not a godly man. He is not Jewish. He's not Christian. He's total pagan. And God gave Nebuchadnezzar the victory. I'm not going to get into this, but God often uses pagan leaders to discipline his own children in the Old Testament. He did it with Pharaoh. He did it with Cyrus, the Persian. He did it with Darius, the Mede. And he did it with Nebuchadnezzar. God often uses ungodly leaders to do his will. And Daniel continues in chapter 1. When Nebuchadnezzar returned to Babylon, he took with him the best sacred objects from the temple of God in Jerusalem and put them on display in his pagan temple of Babylon. What's he doing? He's showing off. Our God's better than your God. These are supposed to be your holy objects? Uh-uh, not anymore. They're ours. It continues, he also ordered that the best young men of Judah be taken as captives to be brought to his palace. One of those was Daniel. The verse continues, select only the best looking, strongest, and smartest young men and bring them to my palace. Notice that these are the same three values that we value in our culture today. Beauty, brains, and brawn. Our society is built on it. If you're not academically proficient, If you don't have athletic ability, and if you don't have a great appearance, you're not welcome. That's what he's saying. This isn't new. This is the culture of the world. Or you could just say it that way. It's all about sex, salary, and status. Brains, brawn, beauty. Academics, athletics, appearance. However you want to say it, that's what our culture, our world is about. And King Nebuchadnezzar said, bring me the best. So then they put these guys, these young teenage boys, through a three-year cultural indoctrination program. Brainwash. (laughs) Here's what the Bible says. Make sure that they're well-versed in every branch of learning, that they're gifted with knowledge and good sense, and have the poise needed to serve in my royal palace. It's going to make them their servants. Teach these men the language and literature of the Babylonian culture. They were only to be 
involved with Babylonian culture. They were only to eat Babylonian food and they were trained for three years. Then it also says they were given new names, new Babylonian names. So Daniel, who is clearly Jewish and Hebrew, and his three friends were renamed. Daniel was renamed Belteshazzar. And later we'll see, we're going to see in Daniel, there's a guy who replaces Nebuchadnezzar. His name is Belshazzar. Don't confuse him. Belteshazzar with Belshazzar. Belteshazzar was Daniel. Belshazzar is the emperor. Hananiah was renamed Shadrach. Mishael was renamed Meshach. And Azariah was named Abednego. So what's going on here? They are systematically reprogramming these Jewish teens. They said, you're not going to be Jewish anymore. You're going to have that. You're not going to have that ethnic background anymore. They're destroying the foundation that their parents and their country laid for them. They're replacing the godly values of Israel with the pagan values of Babylon. They have separated them from their parents, from their loved ones, and families, and they've given them all brand new names, new identities. Your old life is over. You are now completely Babylonian. Now, here's a question. If you're a 15-year-old kid, would you kind of say that your life had just been shaken up a lot? No doubt. You'd never gone to see your parents. Your life has completely changed. It's shaken to the foundations. And Daniel, this 15-year-old kid, would one day grow into a great man of God, one of the greatest prophets in the Bible, all while keeping his integrity and faith intact in a hostile culture. And even with that, he kept getting promoted and promoted five different times, and he served and outlasted three different empires of two different cultures. First, the Babylonians had taken over the Assyrians, and then he served under two Babylonian emperors. Then they were taken over by the Persians, Cyrus the Great. But you guys are all dead, but I'm keeping Daniel. He outlasts three administrations, and at 85, he's now retired near the end of the book, and they have a big problem in the empire, and the emperor calls him out of retirement at 85, and he says, we still need you. And he does such an amazing job. The emperor says, I'm putting you in second in command in the entire empire, second only to me. We'll go into detail in the upcoming podcast, but for this one, I wanted to look at the background and general theme for the series. And that's what you should do when your life is upended, when your world is shaken up by death, a divorce, a failure, a bankruptcy, and a hundred other things that could upend your life. How can you thrive in the midst of that? How can you thrive in chaos? So what should you do when your world is shaken up, when the foundations become real, unstable, and unsteady? And you don't know which end is up. What do you do? And we, we're all there at various points in our lives. So if you're there right now, I hope that you really pay attention to the series because I think it can really do some amazing things and give you some wisdom about what to do. So we're going to start this journey with just three simple suggestions. And I think the I'm only going to get to one today because I don't want to talk for you know 45 minutes. <laughs> and then first, here's the first suggestion. Number one. Don't be surprised by adversity. Although the collapse of the nation of Israel was a shock, it shocked everybody. It wasn't unexpected because the prophets Jeremiah and Zephaniah had always been saying, even Asaph in the Psalms, you know, we're going to lose our freedom if we don't wise up and stop all this idolatry and stuff. And as a teenager, Daniel had been hearing this. He heard these preachers, these prophets. He could hear them in the streets saying, guys, we've been warned. We're going to lose our freedom if we don't do this. First Peter 4 Verse 12 says, Dear friends, don't be shocked or surprised when you suffer, suffer through painful tests and trials 
as if something is happening to you. He's saying shakeups are a normal part of life in a broken world. We don't live in heaven. In heaven, everything's perfect. Everything's great. There's no tear. There's no sorrow. There's no suffering. But on earth, everything is broken because of sin. Every relationship is broken. Every body is broken. Our minds are broken. They're unhealthy. The weather is broken. The economy is broken. Especially our economy. Jeez. Inflation rate seems to be the only thing that's not broken. It's going strong. Same with gas prices. So we shouldn't expect things to be perfect on earth. We shouldn't expect things to stay the same. And when something bad happens in your life, instead of going, why me? You might want to say, why not me? I live here on earth. This isn't heaven. This place is a disaster. That's coming later. There's going to be sufferings in this life. There's going to be trials. So I shouldn't be surprised from it. I really should expect it. I think with the last two years of COVID, we've all had our mindsets radically altered. Nothing in life is guaranteed. Nothing in life is normal. We'll ever go back to the way it was. Life is hard and we need to adapt to deal with it. John 16, 33 says, in this world, you will, not maybe, you will have problems. You will experience difficulties. Things are going to happen. Things are going to be, you're going to face adversity. You're going to, your world's going to get turned upside down. And then listen to Jesus' promise. But take heart. I have conquered the world. I've told you this so then trust me, you will be unshakable. Remember what Jesus did. He died for us on the cross. He gave us eternal life if we just accept and ask him for forgiveness. And that's what this series is all about. You will be unshakable and deeply at peace. Man, that, that is something that I want. I want to be at peace. When stuff comes up and happens, which it does all the time, don't be warned about it. Be at peace. You know, just this past month, I've had my car bill. We had to spend, uh, what was it, around $4,500 into my car within the last seven weeks. Oh, that's a lot of money. Where does it come from? You know, but we got to expect it. Expect that your car, you know, my car's 15 years old. It should break down from time to time, right? It's expected. We don't live in heaven. Jesus warned us adversity was going to be a part of life. So don't let it blow you away. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. But you need to be unshakable so you won't cave in. You know what the first typical response to is to go through a crisis? Blame. Who can we blame for this thing that's happened? That's the last thing you need to work on. Whose fault is it? And as long as you're fixing the blame, you can't fix the problem. So when you blame other people, you're just perpetuating the problem. You're not solving it. You know who loves to blame? Politicians. And how much work do they get done by blaming each other? Instead of just saying, you know what, we need to work together. No, they will continue to blame. They will puff up their accomplishments and continue to blame each other. And nothing ever gets done. You know who else likes to throw around the blame? The media. All kinds of media. The media, they just love to place blame. Instead of trying to find solutions, because placing the blame causes ratings. Instead of asking whose fault it is, you need to be asking, what do you do? What should I do? When facing adversity, you need to understand that there are four sources of problems in this life. First one, you ready for this one? Four sources of problems in your life. The biggest one, you. That's right. You are the biggest problem to yourself. Repeat after me. 
I cause myself more pain, more heartache from my dumb decisions than anyone else. That's right. You are your own worst enemy. I just look back at my life, my health. For years, I didn't go to the doctor. I didn't listen to my wife. For years, I spent grasping, actually gasping for breath while I slept. I would stop breathing. And eventually, my wife convinced me to go to a doctor. And I finally went. And it turns out I, I had I took a test where they did a little sleep study on me. And it turns out I stopped breathing like 93 times in one hour. I could have died. Fortunately, I didn't die. I had another chance. My health. You know, and if I could simply simplify my problem, I'd never stop at just one donut. <laughs> Causing my current overweight status. <laughs> it's true. Like, I'm the one who put the food in my mouth. I'm the one who ate those extra slices of pizza. You know, it's, I'm the one who did it. I'm the one who can't say no to ice cream. So I don't bring it into my house. It's my fault. Money. Oh, oh I've wasted so much. I spent tens of thousands of dollars foolishly as a young person. I brought a $2,000 useless stereo when I was 20 years old. It was so dumb. And insurance. I didn't read the fine print when I, when I signed my first motorcycle insurance policy. I trusted the dealership when I told them to get me the best, most complete coverage. And they simply messed up. They checked the wrong box. That mistake of checking the wrong box when I had an accident two years later. Instead of thinking I was fully covered, I was only minimally covered. I lost $60,000 because I was too lazy to spend an extra five minutes making sure that the insurance was correct on the rider. $60,000 for five minutes because I was too impatient. Now, I'm only pointing out my own problems, but we all have them. Even now, I'm struggling to basically live because of my own faults. I'm struggling trying to sleep at night because I haven't done certain things and it's stupid. Now I'm trying to, as I, as I go over this, I realize, oh man, you were the first choice source of problems in your life. Your old nature, you don't realize how dangerous it is. You might want to read Romans 7 if you want to know more about it. Romans 7 is the classic chapter, explains how you are the biggest problem to you. Now, the second source of your problems in your life is the world. Your nature is within you. The world is around you and wants to pull you down. And the primary way the world tries to pull you down is through ridicule and through withholding approval. See, we're desperate for the approval of other people. So we will lower our standards and change our convictions and give in or give up simply because we, don't want, we want somebody to like us. You don't need the world's approval to be happy. You're as happy as you choose to be. You don't need the world's approval, but the world causes a lot of problems in your life. Did you know 65% of teenagers are bullied on social media? And we allow it to happen. Adults allow it to happen. I don't know how to fight it other than to encourage them. I try to love my kids and encourage them because I know once they leave the house, they enter a battlefield called school. And school can be nasty. I remember I went to a Christian school and I was bullied every day on the bus. And in class. And the teachers did nothing. The parents did nothing. I was alone. You know, it only stopped when my friend Michael stood up for me. Fought back. And guess what happened? He was suspended. And the bully, nothing happened to him. What's funny is now the bully is a pastor. 
Oh, life has funny changes. I so wanted to ask him if he understood the pain he caused me and countless others for years. My youngest is going into seventh grade, and just last week of middle school, he was out at gym, and he was playing soccer. He kicked the ball and almost accidentally hit someone, but he missed. He didn't know the person. The kid came up and just sucker punched my son right in the jaw. My son was very confused. and didn't understand what was going on. Fortunately, a teacher was right there and stopped it immediately, and they went to the office. And after the interview with everybody around, the other kid was suspended for the rest of the year, and nothing happened to my son. And he was just confused. He didn't understand what was going on. Middle school is no joke. It's worse than any high school. Kids can be super cruel with words or fists. Nothing causes more problems for my kids than middle school. It's way worse than high school. And that's where all the teachers are. That's where they're supposed to be having a great time. No. School is awful. Third source of problems. Satan. The devil is real. Evil incarnate. The moment you wake up in the morning, he's plotting to discourage you, to defeat you, to create doubts, depression, discouragement, distractions, all these different things. And when you get up in the morning, if you don't meet the devil head on, it just means you're headed in the same direction because he's been planning to take you down. He hates you. God has a good plan for your life. He has a bad plan for your life. Fourth source of difficulties. Ready? God. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Some of the problems and pressures and difficulties you have in your life actually come from God. And God will sometimes shake up your life for very good reasons. And that's why I want to cover this in detail because this is one that's unexpected probably. It really doesn't matter though where your problems come from. Even though I listed these four, it doesn't matter if it came from God, if it came from the world, if it came from yourself, or it came from the devil. It doesn't matter. What? So now that you know that it's from one of those sources, you don't have to think about it. It doesn't matter where you go other than from you and you can be like, okay, I'm going to try not to do that again. <laughs> but other than that, what, is it, what does it help you to try to find it on where it comes from? You know, here's the thing. Every one of our problems that could be caused by the devil, the world, the, you, or even brought into your life by God, but it doesn't matter. And God will use every one of them for your good if you trust him even the bad things in your life, even your own sins, God can use those for good. He can turn crucifixions into resurrections. He can bring good out of bad. And God can change even bad things into good if you trust him. So regardless of the source of your shaking, what's got you all shaken up, it doesn't matter. Just realize, you know what? You're going to have adversity. That's what life is. I lost my job. I can't get married. I want this and it hasn't happened. I have this dream and I've hit a barrier. Regardless, whatever's shaking you up, God wants to use it for good. So the source isn't nearly as important as your response. So let's just stop playing the blame game and say, okay, this is a problem. What will your response be? Just skip over that. Say, you know what? We're going to have issues. In fact, you can be like, I'm having all these issues right now. What am I going to do about them? You really don't need to care about the source, but your response. Because you know God works out everything. And that's what we're going to see in the next pod, how God can use anything for good. And that is what this series is all about, being unshakable no matter what crazy things in life throws at you. So don't be surprised when adversity comes and don't get off track by focusing on setting the blame, but rather, what are you going to do about it? What is your response? Well, that's it for today. 
And God bless, and I'll see you in the next pod as we look at how God can turn anything into good and how our response can dramatically impact our adversity.